Mysterious Circumstances is an American crime cast production. Remember, everyone is innocent until proven guilty in a court of law. Hi there, my name is Tyler and I'm the host of a new true crime podcast called The Minds of Madness. I want to first thank Justin from the Mysterious Circumstances podcast for giving me a moment to introduce my show to you. The Minds of Madness is an investigative discovery podcast uncovering the gripping events, circumstances, and state of minds that led up to ordinary people doing unthinkable things. It's now available on iTunes, Google Play, and Stitcher. You can also join in on the conversation through the Facebook page found under The Minds of Madness. Hey everybody, this is Justin with Mysterious Circumstances Podcast. Welcome. Uh, I'd like to apologize for putting out that really, really shitty recording the other day. I had a lot of audio problems. I thought I could fix it, and I didn't. So here I am again tonight, re-recording the same episode. Uh, it's kind of a nice change of pace, because I do an unscripted show, and I do it in one shot. So uh, it'll be kind of nice this time around. Uh, first off, what you just heard was Tyler. Tyler is the host of a brand new podcast called The Minds of Madness. It is a phenomenal podcast. I mean, this guy's voice, the stories, it's about regular people and what drives them to commit murder or just go over the edge. Uh, he only has three episodes right now, but get on it while it's starting because it is, it's going to be a really big podcast. He does a great job. He's actually one hell of a nice guy too i've talked to him on several occasions here lately he uh is giving me tips and advice on how to help me with my audio and maybe polish up the podcast just a little bit i still don't want to polish it too much because that's just not me but uh definitely a little bit gonna help out thank you tyler for your huge shout out on your podcast and in the facebook group podcasts we listen to which if a lot of you are in that group you should join it. it's really pretty beneficial for anybody who listens to podcasts with all that said let's get on with the show Thelma Todd was an actress who was active from about 1927 till her death in 1935. She was not a huge, huge star, but she was known as Hot Toddy because she was extremely, extremely beautiful and she was very, very funny. She would star alongside uh, the likes of the Marx Brothers and Laurel and Hardy, um, acts like that. She... She was she was known for her comedic timing and like I said her exceptional good looks. She was a very beautiful woman. But before we get into her death and why it is suspicious and why I'm doing an episode on it, let's get into a little bit of her background. Thelma Todd was born July 29th, 1905 in Lawrence, Massachusetts. She what came from a very well-to-do family. Uh, her father was a politician. Uh, it is said that he was a crooked politician, but then again, I've never met a politician that wasn't crooked, so can't really hold that against the guy. Uh, his mother was a, or her mother was a housewife, just stay at home, very proper, very whatever proper would mean at that point in time, I really don't know. 
she had an older brother that was two years older than her. Now at age five, Thelma actually witnessed her brother, William, who was seven at the time, get mangled by a piece of machinery, and he was literally pretty much mangled beyond recognition. Uh, She witnessed him die, and they said it kind of messed her up a little bit, and it really, I wouldn't say too much of a psychological factor, but she would quit wearing dresses every now and then, and she would wear pants, and she started playing sports that uh, were just for boys at that time, you know, like baseball and stuff like that. Uh, She eventually did grow out of that, but it is also said that she often witnessed her father uh, in stages of resentment. She would often catch him crying, just repeating to himself, uh, you know, why did it have to be him? You know, stuff like that. And that, that really, you know, for somebody, you know, going through their early years, you know, the ages 5, 10, 15, you know, that can really mess somebody up pretty good. And it might have played a role in her some of her later choices down the road. Now, growing up in high school, Thelma was an exceptional student. She was very, very bright, and she was also very outgoing. She had all kinds of friends. The only people she really didn't care for were the ones who were stuck up and hypocritical. She said other than that, she literally got along with everybody. So, I mean, she was always the center of attention, the life of the party, All that good stuff. Very, very social and outgoing. Uh, And her looks did help with that. Uh, Growing up, she actually had a job in a department store to start out with, which was probably the only job she ever got fired from for her looks. Uh, As it would turn out, men would come into the department store just to talk to her, wouldn't actually buy anything. They would just kind of loiter around. So she ended up getting fired from that job. Uh, after that, she she always did like drama and stuff like that in high school. She was really she was not really into it, but she enjoyed it. So she kind of got in, you know, in her really really early twenties, really late teens. She got into the vaudeville theater. Um, vaudeville is kind of like burlesque, like sing and dance shows, stuff like that. She uh she actually really enjoyed it. But her father did not. Uh, it is said that he thought it was a very, you know, disrespectful uh, occupation. It, you know, he didn't want it. Anybody in his house having that kind of job, uh, he actually would physically abuse her because of this. I know it's, you know, a small thing to abuse somebody over, but it is said that she did take some take some physical abuse and beatings from her dad because of her theater choice uh she did a little modeling uh you know these pictures and stuff like that nothing too extreme so after she decided to not really do theater anymore she got into teaching she really really loved teaching kids and all the kids actually just pretty much you know love her they just they wanted to be around her they listened to everything she said uh and she actually enjoyed her herself so she actually became a teacher she was not an accredited one but she was still a teacher so right around 1925 
Thelma, uh, there's a couple of brothers from Lawrence, Massachusetts. They bought an old camera, and they started making movies. Uh, they actually called their films, I believe it was Aurora Films Incorporated. Um, they actually recruited Thelma and shot two movies with her, and she really enjoyed that. She, uh, at this point in time, I believe that was still silent movies, <clears throat> but she was... You know, like I said, she's very social, very outgoing, so, you know, her acting skills in the silent film era still would have been portrayed, you know, very, very well. Uh, and also, in 1925, she won the Miss Massachusetts competition. Um, she ended up going on to not win the Miss America competition. Now, right around in, you know, 1925 still... There's a contest going on on the East Coast. Now, this contest is held through the Lasky Corporation. Um, I believe they are connected with Paramount Pictures, but I'm not a hundred percent sure on that. She she will eventually get she will eventually get discovered by Paramount. So I'm not sure if Lasky uh, Corporation is a you know minion of that or not. But basically what it was, was they were looking for 20 to 30 people on the East Coast. They were going to do a couple films with them and, you know, take them to Hollywood and make them a star. Uh, one of Thelma's friends told her about it and said that she really, really needed to enter. Uh, she was beautiful enough. She was outgoing enough. She, uh, you know, she was a good actress. She she actually liked that somewhat. Um she just kind of scoffed it off. She laughed. She's like, oh, I don't want to do none of that stuff. You know, she basically looked at acting as like a hobby, something fun to do, not as like a real career. You know, and part of that might have been because of some of the physical abuse that she endured from her father because of that. But that is neither here nor there. I do not know that. So what her friend does is actually sends an application in for her along with a couple of pictures like a headshot and stuff like that and out of 30,000 applicants Thelma Todd is one of 30 people chosen so Lasky Corporation takes her under the wing and she does some films for a couple years and in 1927 she actually lands her very first leading lady role uh, she pretty much felt that she had made it by that point in time she was definitely enjoying herself and at about this point in time I believe it was in April of 1927 it's either March or April uh, that is when Paramount Pictures actually decides to recruit her pick her up so in April of 1927 her and her mother uh, Alice hop a train and go to Paramount Studios in Hollywood, California. She would be actually working for Hal Roach Studios uh, underneath Paramount. Uh, she gets out there, you know, she starts doing little, you know, bits and piece roles here and there. She actually enjoys it. Not, you know, she's she's enjoying herself. She's she loves obviously the weather, but she the one thing she does not like out there is obviously women are seen in a different way at this point in time in history um, she does not like how women degrade themselves on the quote-unquote casting couch and by this it would be that 
women and girls will literally do anything to make it big in Hollywood. Thelma Todd really didn't have too much respect for that, and it kind of disgusted her. At this point in time, Thelma is still pretty much a small-town good girl. So, you know, later on we'll get into some stories and stuff like that, but she, uh... Yeah, she just, she really didn't get into that kind of thing. She just wanted to go out there and have fun, and like I said, she ended up being a really good comedian. You know, her her timing was impeccable. She had the looks, and also right around this time in the late 20s is when movies started going uh, with sound. Now, a lot of actors and actresses were actually phased out at this point in time they uh, could not make the transition to what they called talkies now whether it had been because they had a really shitty voice or something like that or because they just didn't want to do it that way they were more theatrical with their actions um, Thelma Todd was actually one of the ones that survived she she made it through that transition uh, she had a she was a very good speaker she had a very nice voice and like I said she was funny you know so uh, she started working with the likes of the Marx Brothers and Laurel and Hardy and stuff all that good stuff she actually in 1932 while she is wrapping up a movie there she actually has a fainting spell as a concern they take her to the hospital and they actually discover that Thelma Todd has a heart condition now remember this when we start getting into the details of the night that she had passed away or supposedly passed away she she does have a heart condition and she finds this out in about 1932 now also in 1932 she ends up marrying a man named Pat DeSico Pat DeSico is a self-described agent producer, but in all actuality, what he is, is a mobster with direct connections to Lucky Luciano. Pat DeSico was born and raised in Brooklyn, New York, and came out west with a lot of the other mobsters when they started finding out that they could make a shitload of money in Hollywood just by straight-up extortion. So... He's out there, he's pressing the movie studios, he's getting his fingers in the unions, and also out there is Lucky Luciano himself. Now, for those of you who do not know who Lucky Luciano is, I suggest you climb up from underneath that rock you have been living in and type that shit into a Google search because you literally, you know, you need to know who this guy is. He's out there, he's got connections with you know lucky luciano and i'm not just saying they know of each other they actually work together they are together quite a bit out there now what Luci luciano and deseco are doing out here is they're basically going through the studio and the act actors unions and just extorting the shit out of them they're also getting into the gambling rackets out there um there's a huge huge drug trade out there in hollywood at this point in time you know this you know, it was Hollywood. People were getting away with literally whatever they wanted. And a good example of that was, you know, up until about the Fatty Arbuckle scandal, uh, they literally could do whatever they wanted. 
after that, and if you've never heard of that scandal, it's pretty interesting. It's uh, definitely got a lot of details that make you question the actual story of what happened. But, you know, a lot of, a lot of the actors, they're on drugs, they're drinking, they're gambling. Uh, and actually... Old Thelma Todd was actually she was she was hooked on amphetamines herself. How she got hooked on these was through diet pills, because the great studio head Hal Roach had a potato clause in her contract. Now a lot of young actresses actually had this, and what a potato clause is is that if you gain any more than five to ten pounds while under contract with this studio, you will basically lose your contract and you are out on the street. You get your ass fired. Now I know a lot of you ladies are out there, you know, screaming at me right now through your earbuds or whatever that's bullshit blah 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 listen this was a different time all right this was a way different time and at the end of the day if any of them did not like it they could have walked away so Thelma Todd early on got hooked on diet pills now when she married uh, Pat DeSico in 1932 she came that's when she actually met uh, Lucky Luciano uh, Lucky actually had more powerful amphetamines than she was prescribed uh, for her, you know, diet or whatever. She was kind of dependent on Patasico and Lucky Luciano at this time because of the amphetamines. Uh, she was also a very, very well-known party girl, and she had a reputation for getting around a little bit. So we'll just keep those in the details and we don't need to get into details but just remember that when we start getting into theories and stuff like that so it is said that Pat DeSico being a mobster um, is a violent man imagine that uh, he was also you know a womanizer and after about two years her and Pat DeSico decide to get a divorce. Actually, it was not a decision. She pretty much said that she was done taking the physical abuse. He used to beat her quite often. You know, of course, he was running around on her. But on the other side of the spectrum, before those two were actually divorced, um, at one point in time, Hal Roach Studios actually loaned out Thelma Todd to another studio to make a couple of movies uh, and in doing this she met a man named Roland West who was a filmmaker um, and this was in 1934 now these two ended up falling in love uh, I don't know if she was as in love with him as he was with her but it is said that she at the beginning she, they were they were very very in love but there's one problem with this. For one, Thelma Todd is still married to Pat DeSico. Now, don't get me wrong, their marriage was done. You know, their divorce was finalized soon after this. They literally were only married about two years. Um, but it should be known that Roland West was also a married man. He was married to a woman named Jewel Carmen. Now, Jewel Carmen, she was a former actress uh, during the silent movie era 
Um, she was a pretty shady character herself. She was a gambler. She was doing drugs all the time. She was a big boozer. And she was somewhat jealous, but she would also turn her back quite a bit of times when Roland West wanted to basically run around on her. Now, part of the reason, personally, that I think she didn't really mind, I mean, she did at some points, but for the most part, she knew what was going on with Thelma and her husband, and she looked the other way. She had, like I said, a gambling addiction, uh, and as long as the money was coming in, she was apparently okay with that. It should be known that Jewel is not a very savory character herself. At one point in time, Jewel actually tried to blackmail a couple of uh, his studio executives and what she did was she had sex with them then she went to the police who were extremely corrupt at the time and said that she was 15 years old and these guys had sex with her she tried to extort them two guys first they said no so she said she was going to the cops these two guys flee to Mexico now what happens is Jewel Carmen was not actually 15 years old. She was 23. So all charges were dropped. All investigations ceased. The two guys come back from Mexico. And that was pretty much the end of it. I think it, it is about probably that point in time that she had started hooking up with uh, Roland West. Now it also should be known that Jewel Carmen is, from every account that I have read, a very jealous and a mentally unstable person. Now this will play a factor, so definitely keep that in the back of your minds. So that brings us into about 1934. At about 1934, Thelma Todd realizes that her acting career is not going to last forever. At this point in time, she had made roughly a hundred films. By the end of her life, she had made a hundred and nineteen, which is very impressive for under a decade in Hollywood, but it should be known that a lot of the films back then did not last as long as some of the ones now. But it is very impressive nonetheless. So she decides to invest in a restaurant and she recruits Roland West, who is her lover at the time, to invest with her. So Roland talks it over with, her, with uh, you know, his wife, Jewel, and they decide to become business partners with Thelma Todd. And what be, this is what becomes the Thelma Todd Sidewalk Cafe, which is literally right on the ocean, right in Malibu, I believe. I mean, just amazingly beautiful place to have a cafe. Um, it is just jam-packed with the likes of movie producers, executives, movie stars, rich people, musicians, just everybody. They are pulling in just all kinds of business, and they are, you know, making really, really good money. Uh, now, the odd part about this is, is above this cafe, there's apartments. I believe there are two apartments that are separated by a sliding door. Thelma Todd lives in the one apartment, and Roland West stays in the other apartment most of the time. 
Now the reason they chose this location for the cafe is because right up on the hill behind him, about maybe a thousand to fifteen hundred feet, is Roland West's house. There's also another little house off to, if you're looking straight on it, off to the left. Now in Roland West's house, which is off to the right, um, right behind this cafe, there that is where uh, obviously him and Jewel uh, live. But, like I said, as jealous as she was, she would turn her back to his very numerous affairs. Uh, apparently, it didn't bother her too much. So, you know, that's that. Um, and also, on top of this cafe, above the apartment, is like another, like a third story, okay? It's uh, pretty much an open room, and there was there was said that she had like a little nightclub type deal up there I I'm pretty sure she did but I could not get it verified through very many of the sources that I read through so you know any third floor above that you know Thelma Todd was a partier she enjoyed it Roland West actually hated the fact that she was very social he did not appreciate it Um, on various occasions he would if she would not be home on time or back to the apartment on time he would lock her out uh the cafe would close at 2 a.m and if she was not back by then he would lock her out and she would you know either stay at a friend's house or you know go somewhere else or i actually read one story that she knocked on the window so hard that she broke it and he ended up waking up and unlocking the door for her you know, they had a very, very weird relationship. Now, Roland West was actually having, you know, some affairs with a couple other ladies as well, as was Thelma Todd. Now, after she divorced Pat DeSico, Thelma Todd started hanging around Lucky Luciano quite a bit. The two hung out on multiple occasions. They were, you know, said to be lovers and... He was obviously supplying her amphetamine addiction, so she was very dependent on that. So you can take that relationship as you will. Now, it is said that Lucky Luciano wanted to basically use Thelma Todd, and he wanted to use the third floor of this cafe. Now, what he wanted to do was open up a casino. He wanted to have like a little gambling den up there. So... At one point in time, it is stated that he said he wanted to open up a casino on the third floor of the cafe. Now, this would have been illegal, and Thelma Todd knew that this cafe was her retirement, so she didn't want anything to do with anything illegal. So she basically told him, you know, she's like, you, you'll open up a casino in my cafe over my dead body. Now... There are a few witnesses that claim that when she said that, she got up, stormed out, and Lucky Luciano calmly leaned back in his chair and said, well, that can be arranged. I've heard that this never happened, but I have actually read in more places that it did happen, that it was a confirmed fact. So, you know, take that as you will, we're not 100% sure. But she basically just didn't want anything to do with it. This was her livelihood. She was starting to get, you know, pushed out of the movie scene. This was her bread and butter. But also, 
I read a lot of reports about how the cafe was losing money. Now, Jewel Carmen, being an investor with her husband, Roland West, had actually threatened to kill her uh, several times if she didn't get her shit together and start making some money off of this uh, cafe. Now, all accounts that I could really read, the cafe actually did very well. So, unless Thelma Todd is squandering the money, which is a possibility, um, it's hard telling. Also, Jewel Carmen is a known gambler. Uh, with a drug and alcohol addiction, so, you know, she could be squandering money as well. So with, you know, all this, all this being said, uh, that's, you know, pretty much up until current time. Let's go ahead and get to the three or four days in question. So this brings us to December 14th, 1935. Now on this afternoon, Thelma and her mother do some Christmas shopping. Nothing major. They're hanging out. Um, Thelma actually has a little bit of a engagement to go to later on that evening at the Trocadero, which is a popular uh, nightclub and restaurant from what I understand. Um, her mother will be attending with her. So after Christmas shopping, she drops her car off at uh, Roland West's house and parks it in his garage, at which point... The limousine driver, Ernest Peters, comes and picks her and her mother up and takes her to the Trocadero. Now, at the Trocadero, she finds that her ex-husband, Pat DeSico, is there. Now, she actually knew ahead of time. A friend of hers called her and told her that he was going to be there. She said she didn't care. She still wanted to go. When they start talking to one another after she arrives there... Uh, I have heard two different sides of the story. One side is that the two just basically exchanged pleasantries and were cordial with each other. The other, you know, side of a lot of the stuff I read was that they were fucking pissed off at each other. That they got into a shouting match. There's a lot of animosity there. Personally, I'm not sure which to believe. I'm 50-50 on it. Uh, a person like Pat DeSico, with the personality that he has, I could see him being very, very pissed because he is the type of guy that likes control. He's a violent guy. And basically, he's embarrassed because his wife you know, divorced him. I could see him still being bitter and pissed off. But at the same time, he is also there with a female friend who is a friend of Thelma Todd's, which is weird in itself. But the woman that Pat DeSico is there with is also a lesbian. You know, weird choice of a date to take somewhere. But hey, you know, different strokes for different folks. It is what it is. After, you know, she sees Pat DeSico and one of those two things happens, um, she just basically just has a good time. The limousine driver actually takes her mother home at about 8 o'clock uh, and returns back to the Trocadero by about 9 p.m. and uh, continues to sit there and wait for six hours. Thelma Todd and the limousine driver leave the Trocadero at about 3 a.m., on December 15th, which would be a Sunday morning. He goes and drops her off in front. I've heard two different reports on where he drops her off at. 
One report says that he drops her off in front of the sidewalk cafe. Uh, and she, he actually goes, when he does drop her off, this is noted, that when he does drop her off, he says that the whole ride home, she is very uncharacteristically quiet. He says usually when she's been drinking, she's a little boozed up, she's, even when she's sober, she's just very outgoing, she's very happy, talkative, you know, she's, to be honest with you, she's probably on some amphetamines or whatever, but he said she's very uncharacteristically quiet, which is, you know, a little side note, just keep that in the back of your mind. It is also said, and before I forget, at one point in time at the Trocadero, a waiter comes up to her, hands her a note, a handwritten note, in which she reads, and she storms off. She is visibly upset. She goes to the ladies' room, and there were a couple witnesses in there that said they couldn't really make out what she was saying, but she was in there just basically pissed off at something after she read the note, and she kept saying, him, him. You know, that was the only word they can really make out that she was saying because she was so mad and just so enraged. So, you know, keep that keep that in the back of your minds too so let's fast forward to where i was ernest peters actually states that he dropped her off in front of the steps behind the sidewalk cafe which was where her apartment was now what it is is you have the sidewalk cafe in the middle and you have a road that goes in front of it going driving to the left let's say you're looking at it straight on you're driving to the left there's a road that curves around to the back of the building and just you know keeps on going up the hill to Roland West House which was back on the hill about 1500 feet or so um, now right directly behind her restaurant there are 63 stairs they are broken up into three different section of 21 stairs each now Ernest Peters states that he dropped her off at the foot of those stairs whether she tried to get into the uh, sidewalk cafe from that point or did it beforehand and realized that it was locked I'm not sure when she left to go to this party Roland West told her be home by 2 a.m. now Thelma Todd being the lovable smartass that she is says well I'll be home at 2.05 then and like I had stated earlier, Roland West was known to lock her out of the house if she would not show up on time. So this is pretty much what had happened. Now, I don't know exactly how drunk she was. I don't know how hard she tried getting into the apartment, which I don't understand why in the hell she didn't even have keys to a business that she partially owned. It is stated that at this point in time, we do not know what happens there's a big open space of time on December 16th which would be Monday morning at about 9 to 9:30 a.m. Roland West's housekeeper or maid um, a woman by the name of May Whitehead uh, notices that one of the doors to the garage of Roland West's house is partially open she walks in and she finds Thelma Todd slumped over kind of wedged underneath the steering wheel going her body leaning to the left uh, in the front seat of her Lincoln, Lincoln uh, convertible she is dead the maid states she saw a little bit of blood uh, around her lip and a little bit of blood around her nose uh, other than that 
the details of her body are a little bit skewed. What happens is she runs down to the cafe where Roland West was. You know, like I said, it's about 9.30 in the morning. She runs down to the cafe and informs him uh, that Thelma is either passed out or dead, one or the other, in her car inside his garage. And ironically enough, she's still wearing the same clothes that she was wearing, you know, that that she wore to the Trocadero that Saturday night. So he makes a phone call to the police, and then he makes a phone call to the studio. So what happens next is, according to one report, there was a serviceman who was right there in the area who just happened to hear the maid screaming down the hill, you know, just frantic, looking for Roland West. So he goes in and looks. Now what he says is that her body was in the passenger seat, passenger side seat of that car, slumped over to the left. He said there was a lot of blood on her face. They, he, he also said that one of her teeth was chipped, which I don't know why he's investigating a dead body. That's why I don't really hold very much ground in what, you know, this story right here. But I will say this, a lot of onlookers find out, and there's reporters... And there's a lot of neighbors and there's a lot of, you know, passerbys that show up before the cops. Now, these people are in there and there are a few photos that are shot before the cops actually got there. Now, a lot of the reporters had stated that there was a lot of blood all over her face. Uh, there, It is a fact that there are bruises around her neck area. It is also said that her face is bright red. So the cops show up at this point in time. They kick everybody out. And they shut the doors. For, from what I understood, about half an hour to an hour. Now, when they open up the doors, they open up the garage doors, everybody comes back in, the reporters, they were trying to get everybody out so they didn't trample the, the crime scene. When everybody comes back in, they said that her body is placed differently and that her face is cleaned up. So there's not really any blood on her face. Whether she still had the chipped tooth or not, I am not 100% sure. I only read that in one place. So, you know, don't put too much faith into that little detail right there. And they come in, that's when they start doing the crime scene photography in which I will post on the Facebook page in the comments when I post this episode in there. But the initial report is that Thelma Todd died of suicide or accidental suicide from carbon monoxide poisoning. Obviously, this does not explain the bruises around her neck and the small bit of blood around her uh, lip area. Now, when the autopsy is actually performed on Thelma Todd, you should know that she had a lot more damage to her body than that. Thelma Todd had two broken ribs, a broken nose, her face was bright red, she had bruises all around her neck. Um, there was some of the evidence that was found. There was a half-smudged handprint on the driver's side door. Um, when the autopsy was actually done, there was food found in her stomach. Uh, that food was peas and carrots. And according to the coroner, 
that would have had to have been eaten five to six hours before her death. Now, if Thelma Todd accidentally fell asleep that night, you know, in her car or whatever, being drunk because she's locked out of a house, how in the hell did she eat food like 24 hours later? That does not make sense. And this is where we get into what Roland West, his, his grand jury testimony. His side of the story is that she had come home uh, too late, the door was locked, he didn't know what happened. Now, they, a lot of the theory from what the cops said, this is what the cops said happened, more than likely, is that after being locked out of her apartment, she, it was a very cold night, this is middle of December in California, okay, it does get cold in California, especially in December and especially at night, and they have also stated that it was a very windy night. What they suspect happened, what the official report is, is that on the early morning hours after her limousine driver dropped her off on that Sunday morning, December 15th, after she could not get into her apartment, she walked up either, there's two ways you can go to Roland West's house to where her car was. You can either walk up the 63 stairs, which were sectioned off, and then take a right and go walk another thousand feet to that house or you can go around and walk up 271 stairs that go directly up to the house they said that she had taken you know one of these two ways to get into her car that since it was cold and she couldn't get into the house that she had started the car to warm up the heater and stay warm and that and she inadvertently uh, committed suicide by carbon monoxide poisoning. I have a lot of problems with this official report of what happened. Roland West, when he was giving his grand jury testimony, and I will say this, the coroner and the grand jury both came to the conclusion that she had inadvertently, whether it be by accident or even you know, straight up suicide, died of carbon monoxide poisoning. I have a lot of problems with this. First off, there, when the car was found, the keys, or when her body was found, the keys were in the ignition, and the car was off. Alright, so somebody had to have turned the car off if this was a possibility. Also, some other people say, well, the car probably ran out of gas. It was running for 24 hours. Well, actually, there were two gallons of gas still in the tank of this car. So that is not a very likely story. This was Roland West's story. Uh, he often changed it. Even during grand jury testimony, he changed his story. And up until he died in the early 50s, he still changed his story quite often. He could never stick with the same story story and that really bothers me another problem I find with this is that right above the garage it is said that his brother-in-law or uh, Jewel Carmen's brother uh, was staying up in a room right above the garage and apparently Thelma Todd's exhaust was extremely loud and he said he never heard anything all night I only read that in one place so take that as you will there's pretty much the story of what happened. There's the grand jury and coroner report and the, you know, police quote-unquote investigation theory. Now let's get into some facts before we get into some theories. When she was found, like I had stated, 
She had two broken ribs, a broken nose, her face was bright red, there were bruises all around her neck. Uh, one witness claimed that her body was lifeless in the passenger side seat of the car. When she was found, when the police got there, or after the police were there, her body was literally like wedged underneath the driver's side or underneath the steering wheel partially you'll see pictures of it um how she could pass out and get her body in that position is beyond me the cop said her broken nose probably came from when she got dizzy and fainted because of the carbon monoxide and she fell forward and busted it on the steering wheel that does not make sense as to where her body is positioned. I mean, I could see it maybe one out of a hundred times. That's just grabbing at straws right there. A little bit uh, more fact is that carbon monoxide poisoning, you would think that it would make you suffocate, your, your skin turns blue, your lips turns blue. Her face was bright red. I will say this, in all actuality, Carbon monoxide poisoning does cause your face to turn red. It has a reaction uh, with the hemoglobin, and your skin will get blotchy and red and flushed. So that part actually does make sense with the carbon monoxide. Uh, one other problem that I have with this, like I stated earlier, oh, you know, some more facts, food digestion. Okay, there was food in her stomach that was partially digested. This was on Monday morning at 9.30. The food was peas and carrots. How this food was digested, or still partially digested, it had to have been eaten five to six hours before the time of her death. Supposedly, according to Roland West, he hadn't seen her all Sunday. I don't believe that shit because Roland West is a controlling person. He is a jealous person. He wants to know where she's at at all times and he even gives her a curfew. There is no way that he is going to let that slide for 24 hours. And you honestly cannot tell me that him nor his wife did not go anywhere near the garage within that 24 hours. So we're talking about five to six hours before the time of her death, okay, she had to have eaten. So that would put her time of death right around 2 or 3 a.m. on Monday morning. Now a lot of you people are sitting there probably saying, well, yeah, but when, you're, when you die, your body stops digesting food. That is not true. Your body does this process called self-digestion and what happens is is when your heart stops pumping blood the all that bacteria inside your body starts spreading everywhere so your body produces a lot more acidity to try to kill that bacteria even though your heart is not still beating your body is still has blood in it your body still has that bacteria in it so it is a possibility you know that she could have died you know that morning that Monday morning and you know it still could have partially digested her food a little bit it should also be noted that she had a blood alcohol level of 0.13 for those of you drinkers out there yes that will get your ass busted in the United States 
but in all actuality, it is not hard to hit .13. Thelma Todd was not a very big woman. Granted, she was on amphetamines, and she was on diet pills, and whatever else. It does not take that much alcohol to hit a .13 level. It should also be noted that when your body starts this process of self-digestion, one of the very first places that starts reacting to the bacteria is your liver. So it would possibly break down that alcohol a little bit faster, okay? So there's a couple little facts about, you know, her crime scene, the body, all that good stuff. Let's get into a couple of other facts. Uh, one, Lucky Luciano. Uh, Lucky Luciano at the time was under FBI surveillance. It should also be noted that he had threatened Thelma Todd several times. He was also a very abusive man towards her when they were having their fling or dating or whatever you want to call it. She had a lot of knowledge about what Lucky Luciano was doing. She had a lot of knowledge. It is also stated that she had made an appointment to meet with the DA on that Monday that her body was found. Obviously, she didn't make it to the appointment. What she was going to talk to the DA about is unknown. But there is some facts here that you do need to know. The DA at the time was a gentleman named Burren Fitz. Burren Fitz is literally regarded as the most corrupt DA politician period in California history. Him and probably 90 to 95 percent of police officers in the LA area were bought and paid off by either the studios from Hollywood or the mobsters. They did not care. As long as they were getting a check or some cash, they were happy. So it's not too feasible to think that, obviously, a corrupt DA gets some info that says, well, hey, Thelma Todd's gonna, you know, Thelma Todd, you know, wants to talk to me about you and Lucky Luciano, you know, do whatever. You should know that fact that, like I said, Burren Fitz, the DA at the time, is literally regarded as the most corrupt politician that California has ever seen. Now, I'm not 100% sure, but I do believe um, he actually ended up committing suicide later on in his life. Uh, you know, that's just a little side fact right there, but hey, bad people do bad things. It is what it is. Other than that, there's not really too many facts that should be known. You know, I filled you in on the medical aspect of things, uh, the body placement, the evidence that was found. There is also some other little things that I did forget. I almost forgot. There are at least five people that had claimed to either seen Thelma Todd or talked to her on Sunday the 15th. Now, the thing that bothers me about this is that Thelma Todd was found in the same clothes that she had worn to the Trocadero that Saturday night. So this is Monday morning. This is She's still wearing the same clothes. Now, according to a friend of hers named Martha Ford, I've heard two different sides of a phone conversation. 
the first side is that somebody somebody named Thelma, who would be Thelma Todd, calls Martha. Martha was having a dinner party or a get-together, and of obviously Thelma Todd was invited. They were friends. One side of this phone call conversation says that Martha had gotten a phone call from Thelma Todd saying that basically asking if it was okay if she showed up wearing the same clothes that she was wearing the night before basically asking permission if she could bring a guest with her Martha said yeah that's no problem and actually asked who the guest was and it was a male guest uh, Thelma Todd replied well I'm not gonna tell you I'm gonna surprise you but you're gonna hit the floor when you see who I'm gonna bring that is one side of the phone conversation the other side that I read was that Martha receives a call from Thelma Todd saying that she would not be able to make it to the dinner party uh, she was feeling ill uh, she had some other stuff going on and she you know she's she just wasn't gonna be able to make it which Martha replied that's fine you know it's no big deal so there's two sides two separate huge reports that I read Martha I'm not sure if she testified during the grand jury hearing I'm not I you know I got into that a little bit there but there were too many other little details that were popping up now there were also two separate people who were acquaintances of Thelma's that said they saw her driving past driving past them as in in the opposite direction on the same road and that she had a male with her in the passenger seat and they said that it was an Italian looking man and uh, you know dressed in a nice suit hair slicked back all that good stuff from the 30s uh, those were two separate people there was also two separate people in a vehicle that saw her at a stoplight they also reported that there was a gentleman with her in the passenger seat and that it was an Italian looking gentleman now I only read that in one place so take that with a grain of salt alright I was a little weary on believing it um, but one of those people that saw her at the stoplight actually stated and this like it says one thing I read that she they noticed that she was wearing an evening gown like a nice evening dress that you would wear out to say go like out on a Saturday night that is a very very interesting detail right there very interesting makes you wonder a little bit so with all those facts out of the way and I'm so happy to get that stuff out of my brain I'm not even gonna lie to you let's get into some theories the one theory that is probably not as plausible but is not a bad theory is that her mother Alice either had orchestrated this or had prior knowledge about it somehow now where this all comes from is that when her body was found uh, obviously her mother was called to the scene she had no idea what happened she apparently was driving by one of the limo driver was dropping her off to meet with Thelma that morning and apparently her mother pulls up sees a crowd of people and without seeing the body without talking to anybody jumps out of the car and the first words out of her mouth are oh my god my daughter's been murdered now how in the hell 
are you going to say something like that? It is also stated that her mother was bragging to a lot of friends that she was going to be building this huge mansion in the near future. Now, Thelma's mother had no money. She lived off of Thelma. Okay, now Thelma's acting career was kind of dwindling at this point. I mean, she was still going strong, but she knew she didn't have much time left, which is why she had invested in this sidewalk cafe, this restaurant. It just so happens that Thelma's mother was her sole heir. If something happened to Thelma, she was, you know, Thelma's mother was going to get everything. Her share of the restaurant, life insurance policy, whatever else Thelma had. Um, I really honestly do not take too much credit in this theory. I mean, it is definitely plausible, but at the end of the day, um, when her older, when Thelma's older brother died, she was the only child. Uh, it devastated the family. So usually when something like that does happen, you put everything you have into that one other child. I really don't think her mother had it in her. I think her mother might have had knowledge about maybe Pat DeSico, you know, following her around or the altercation, you know, that they would have had at the restaurant. That would make sense, you know, if Thelma's mother was there and witnessed the altercation between Pat DeSico, who was her ex-husband, and Thelma, then that would that would explain that. That would definitely be understandable. And personally, that's what I think that was. I don't think she was going to kill her own kid for the money because at the end of the day I think Thelma could have actually built her a mansion and everything would have been happy-go-lucky. One of the other, you know, not very plausible theories in my opinion is the straight-up suicide theory uh, that she was depressed. You know, she knew her acting career was dwindling. It is said that the restaurant was hurting for money, that they were not doing very well at this point in time. Now, I heard it's hard to believe that because I had also heard that the restaurant was doing very well. So, you know, you take that as it be. You know, it's, you know, two sides of the same story. And that she was, you know, depressed because she wasn't going to be an actress and she was hooked on amphetamines and she just basically decided to kill herself. The car that she was in still had all the Christmas presents that she had bought that early that Saturday with her mother. Now, what kind of person goes Christmas shopping with their mom and later that night kills themselves because of whatever reason? I personally do not put any stock in that theory just because I don't know if you guys know this or not but dying of carbon monoxide poisoning does not break your nose or break your ribs I think that's what that is you know what I mean there's it's just a ridiculous theory this is obviously what the cops the coroner and the grand jury say happened which is total bullshit all right let's you know you know common sense people Another theory is that Lucky Luciano uh, had her taken out because he was informed by the DA or the DA's office that Thelma Todd had made an appointment to meet with the DA that um, Monday morning. Now, when she refused to let Lucky Luciano have the third floor of her restaurant as a gambling casino, it, he did state that 
you know, it could be arranged, you know, she said, over my dead body, and he said, you know, that can be arranged. Here's the deal. He had millions and millions of dollars. He was running the drug, the prostitution, and the unions out there. He was running all this. He was raking in millions. What in the hell would he have anything to do with a tiny little casino on the third floor of a cafe? I really don't believe that at all. But on a side note, she had a lot of information on Lucky Luciano. And like I had stated earlier in this episode, Lucky Luciano was under FBI surveillance at this time. Now, it should be noted that he was actually not around when her body was found. He was on a plane at 7.45 a.m. that Monday morning to leave for New York. Now, granted, that's usually how the smart people do it. But at the end of the day, Lucky Luciano does not have to do anything himself. He is, he is literally the father of organized crime. All he has to do is look at somebody and they will get killed. He doesn't even have to blink. You know what I'm saying? Now, whether he ordered somebody to do it, it is a very plausible theory. Now, because he was un, you know, under FBI surveillance was because they were starting to get pretty hip to the prostitution and the drug trade out there. Now, yes... All these people, the FBI and the DA, could have called Thelma Todd in to ask her some questions. But I don't think Lucky Luciano's going to risk a murder rap for something like prostitution, which actually, ironically enough, is what he got busted for. Um, that's He never got busted for anything else, just prostitution. So... I I mean, the theory does make sense. It does hold some ground. It's not really my personal favorite. Another theory is that Pat DeSico, after the altercation at the Trocadero, he's embarrassed. A guy like this does not like being embarrassed by a woman. You know, she divorced him. You know, this, that, and the other. They get into an argument at the Trocadero. He follows her home. Now, Ernest Peters, the limousine driver who dropped her off, actually offered to walk her up to the door. She refused. She said she can walk up herself this time. Now, whether she knew something or whether she didn't, I'm not totally sure about that. Um, But she did refuse him walking her to the door. So it is a very plausible theory that Pat DeSico had followed them home and picked her up. Now, he probably could have picked her up, taken her out, you know, just beaten the ever-living hell out of her, whether he killed her from the beating or strangled her or even knocked her out for that matter. Um, and then brought her car back later on, placed it in the garage. That is actually a very, very good theory. Um, it is one of the top ones, along with Lucky Luciano. Um, he was a jealous, violent man. 
I mean, it would fit his personality to do something like that. He was known to beat her uh, quite often when they were married for that two years, so it's not totally far-fetched. Um, it's, you know, right up there with one of my two favorites, uh, but, you know... You know, it's give or take, you know. You know, she was missing for 24 hours. She was supposedly spotted with an Italian man. Um, it's a very plausible theory, but th th that theory only holds ground if these people that say they witnessed her on Sunday with an Italian gentleman, you know, whether that was just hoopla, people saying stuff, this, that, and the other. We don't know. I only read that in one spot. Uh, one of the most popular theories and probably, you know, one of the one that holds the most ground is that Roland West, uh, whether it was included with his wife, Jewel, or not, actually murdered Thelma Todd, whether it be by accident uh, or on purpose. Now, Roland West was jealous. He knew that she was running around, meaning Thelma, but on the flip side... Jewel Carmen, his wife, was also jealous, mentally unstable, hated the fact that he was sleeping around with all these people, this, that, and the other. Now, Jewel Carmen was a violent person. Now, one, one half of this theory goes that Jewel Carmen, actually, you know, Roland West was in the apartment above the cafe when she was driven home. He had locked the doors because she was late. You know, quote unquote, she was late, you know, past her curfew. So when Thelma Todd goes to Parker or goes to the house to, uh, you know, do whatever she was going to do to see if Roland was there, Jewel, she actually caught Jewel Carmen. Now, some of the bruises around her neck, maybe the broken ribs, uh, the broken nose, the small amount of blood on her face could be caused by a female fight. Um, whether the broken ribs came from maybe a fall or, you know, Jewel Carmen might have strangled her a little bit, uh, you know, broke her nose, bashed it against something. It's hard telling. It really is. Um, the other half of this theory is that Roland West himself did it. When the limousine driver dropped her off, she knew that Roland West was going to be pissed. Um, and basically in a jealous fit, he accidentally took it too far, murdered her, placed her body in there, uh, whether she was knocked out or dead, and basically blamed it on carbon monoxide. Now, you know, another little tidbit of this theory is that maybe it was Jewel and, and Roland working together because, like I had said, supposedly this cafe is losing money. Now, if they get an investor out of the way, that leaves more for them to take in. Jewel Carmen herself had threatened to kill Th Thelma Todd several times, um, you know, usually over money, over the investment of the restaurant. Sometimes it was over, uh, you know, just the jealousy factor because she knew that Roland West was staying up in that apartment with her. All that good stuff. So... Basically, if this would have happened, the first thing they would have done was call the studios. Now, the studios did not need any more bad raps. <laughs> they did not need any more bad attention, especially after the Fatty Arbuckle scandal. There were scandals going on in Hollywood at this point in time all the time. 
so it would have orchestrated a cover-up involving police because like I said police were on the take from Hollywood and mobsters uh, and mobsters alike so it's not too far-fetched to think that he would have accidentally killed her um, they would have placed her body uh, like that that would explain her wearing the same clothes and even the call to her friend Martha Martha Ford could have been Jewel Carmen herself so that would make some sense there now that would totally disregard you know whatever you know witnesses and I say that with air quotations because it's hard telling and in Hollywood people want their 15 minutes of fame and like spreading gossip and all this shit so that right there is actually a very very feasible theory now we do know that Thelma Todd did walk up to that garage uh, because her shoes were later found to have some scuff marks that were consistent with either walking up a hill or walking up some stairs but the weird part about that is is you know would her heart condition have played a factor we don't know uh, how bad the heart condition was we're not sure so there are your theories those are your facts I personally like the Roland West theory um, and just because it fits his personality I could see it happening I could see the studio and the cops having a cover-up to because of the attention thing uh, all it takes is money in Hollywood it's all it takes I could also see the Pat DeSico thing that fits his personality to a T so there's your story there's your evidence there's your crime scene there's your facts and there's your theories I hope you all enjoyed this episode and I apologize for the shitty one that I put out yesterday but with all that being said, I do hope you enjoyed it, and until next week, I will see you fine folks on the flip side.